you know what, Josh? You're a big faker sometimes. How dare you? I think you are. I don't know how genuine you are. If I, I had a glove, I would, like Bugs Bunny, pull it off one finger at a time, <laughs> drop a brick in it, and slap you with slap it. You, and slap you with it. Yeah, how dare you? Here, Bob. How dare you? Take that. <laughs> It'd be grounds for 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 a duel. Entry music. It's the Bob and Josh show. Agile fakes. We've all been one. It's okay. We're going to talk through the fact that there are some honest fakes and some dishonest fakes. What you can do about it, how you can grow yourself from it, and what not to do. Agile fakes. We've all had to fake it a little bit you know you fake it until you make it i know i did that that's part of life but some folks never get out of the faking it mode what damage does that do how can you recover from it how can you prevent it that's what this episode is all about we had a technical glitch at the end on my part so bob carries us home in classic bob style make sure you watch till the end onto the episode agile fakes how do you deal with them what do you do are there Anything but malicious fakes? Or are there honest, uh-oh, I don't know I'm doing it fakes? I think that's that, that that kind of fits Bob. He's just a gentle guy. I just a gentle a gentleman. <laughs> uh, this, so Metacasters, this comes from Matt Rowe. And Matt sent us some questions. And one of them, he was talking about fake scrum masters. So scrum mastery uh, and fake. And he wasn't specific as to it, but we're you know, I'm not, we're not categorizing it, but it inspired us. And so Josh and I are generalizing that theme in this episode to talk about fakery, uh, 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 not just in scrum masters, but fake coaches, fake agile leaders. So in an agile context, uh, are there fakes? And I, I suspect the answer is yes. I mean, there are there categories of fakes. Are mm-hmm. there honest fakes, if you will, that people just don't know any better, don't know what they don't know, et cetera and what to do about that. And then there are their malicious fakes. Um, and, and those are fakes that sort of, they should know better. Uh, and, but they, but they don't, and they're mm-hmm. driven by something else. So where do you want to go, Josh? I'm going to go probably in a different direction than one might expect, but I believe the largest category of agile fakes are not self-created and they probably identify they probably know they're a fake but they just have to kind of go along with what's been set in front of them it is those team members of companies that want to go agile so the company's solution is we're going to send a handful of you to a certification class and you're going to come back and now you're going to be a product owner or a scrum master and you're going to help train the rest of the organization to become agile and the number of people that i've met or talk to that have been down that path and feel like a fake when they come back and don't have the confidence to do what they've been asked of is difficult and painful for them. And they're unfortunately put in that position, not voluntarily. So that to me, that's, that's the largest swath of fakes that I see across the board is, Hey, I know I'm a fake. And I kind of wish I wasn't in this position, but I've been told by my company slash bosses, this is who I have to be. I, I hadn't thought of that, but you're, I think you're absolutely right. I, 
I don't know if there's a larger, I mean, there could be agile leaders. That could be a larger, <laughs> that could be a larger group, but this is a large group. Um, I, and I, as you were talking, I wasn't just thinking of scrum masters. My brain went to save. Mm. So like scaled agile, you know, they run entire organizations. Like there's a safe practitioner certification. There's a safe SPC certification. There's a safe scrum master product owner certification. So that's almost like an in mass, like some, some companies run almost everyone through. There's a safe leadership thing, although it's soft on the leaders. And then everyone is like, after the class, everyone is like converted to a safe agilist or something like that. And, uh, and, and I would argue that most folks know that it's BS, that it really, they know enough about agile to know that this isn't it, but then no one does anything about it. They just, it's like lemmings. Did I say that out loud? Maybe that may be negative. Well, but it's like lemmings running forward. Right. There, no one's going to, there's a lot, a lot of challenging. So a lot of folks are like faking it, maybe fake it till you, what's that? Fake it till you make it, I guess, or something like that. But so you're saying, and I think you're right, that there could be a whole organization of known fakes of, yeah. hey, we, we recognize that we haven't practiced this yet, but yet we're, we're going to come back to home base and be expected to deliver in this manner and likelihood is you're going to stumble fumble your way through it not by any fault of your own but just by the reality of this is your first crack at it and you're yeah. not going to nail it right out of the gate like there's nothing like that especially with the complexity of safe and what that has become it is not a simple solution so nailing that right out of the gate is feels really difficult i i don't think i think these are honest fakes yeah or agreed right these, these are not these malicious you know ill intent fakes these are honest fakes uh and they're just going along um another another aspect of it i think is i think a lot of folks i'm not going to get this right but out of 100 people who are doing safe i i would guess that maybe 10 out of 100 might really believe it's the right thing. Mm. And maybe now there's some larger percentage coming out of the class. I, I hear people take these classes all the time and they're like, that was the most painful. You know, I would rather have a colonoscopy than go through like a, a safe class. But at the same time, they come out and they're just like, you know, charging forward, right? Mm -hmm. Supporting the party line. A few folks come in, but they don't believe it. They're not sold on it. Uh, they don't. They they know enough wherever they get it that it's not. And then there's some folks that are honestly like they believe that safe is agile, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and I don't even know if they're fakes. There's probably that percentage where you know if you believe it, and and you think it's the right path, well then then that's okay. Yeah. But but a lot of folks and they don't do anything about it. Now that that same phenomenon happens with scrum masters. Like going back to what you were saying, right? I, you send, you know, a company sends 12 people to a scrum master class. They come back, they throw them into teams. There's an expectation that you are what an evangelist of scrum. Mm -hmm. You, you are an expert of scrum. Um, I wonder what that percentage is of real believers and, and fake believers coming out and knowing, knowing that there's better ways or they're doing something wrong, if you will, but they're just going along. Because they need the money, they need the job, they need yeah. to follow orders, et cetera. 
I've never met anyone that has come out of one of those trainings and felt like I got this. Everyone was like, okay, cool. I understand it now. Execution is a little bit scary. The number of places, the number of people I've talked to that are in that position that have reached out for help. It's like, hey, this happened. I'm here now. And reality is smacking me in the face. And I'm a little hesitant, tentative to like start giving direction because I'm not sure what the right answer really is. Even though I have this new cert that says I'm a certified whatever, whatever. Right. It still gets down to you have to take a few swings at it to get that confidence. Now, I I do think on the organizational safe side, it's more an en masse. The poor scrum. So there's some nuance to these, these, the fakery (laughs) coming out. Scrum masters, I think you do the scrum masters a disservice because they they come out of the class and very often they're thrown into a full-time role Mm -hmm. and they don't have the experience, right? So they know, they know their fakes and they probably, I mean, it's probably a really terrible position to put them in. Yeah, it is. So the scrum, you know, scrum.org or, you know, the scrum Alliance said, you know, if you look at the scrum guide, you know, you were supposed to coach up. So now you have some poor senior developer. They get sent to a class. They come back. They're an introvert. They haven't, they haven't negotiated with a leader to save their life in their entire career. And now they're supposed to coach up for God's sakes, right? Mm -hmm. After, after a two day class. Or even they're supposed to facilitate sessions with their team members, and there's conflict, and then that's really challenging. Yeah. And and so 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 they're faking it, and they know they're faking it, and and they feel terrible. Not terrible about the fakery, but they 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 feel like they're in a really weak position. Yeah. They're, it's they're, it's. Go ahead. It's a terribly irresponsible thing for corporate leaders to do to put someone in that position because you are setting them up to fail yeah you are setting them up to to be defined as an expert and a leader based on 12 hours of classroom learning yeah and it's a complex it's complex role yeah i mean i can see people like to master scrum mastery is probably at least five years or something I, i mean there's no there's no time frame but it's not after a class and and there's different contexts. I mean, very often those folks have different teams. So one team is in a totally different context than challenges. So yeah. now I'm ju- now I'm scrum mastering two or and that I'm lucky if I have two teams. Some people have five teams, yeah. you know, two, three, four teams. And it's like, well, crap, I'm I'm trying to do it differently. And how do I figure out the nuance across that? So yeah, absolutely absolutely. Well, let's uh jump to the malicious side. I want to and- get I, I you read my mind. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's dig into some of that. Um I have an example in my mind, but I feel like you have one lined up a little bit more ready to tackle. No, I want to go with yours. No, okay. Um one of the weirdest things that I've seen is as I've been creating more agile content and just starting to look around and see what other people are doing, there's a whole group of people that are stealing somebody's content and republishing it as their own and selling it and i'm like so i i of course being the guy that i am i reached out to that person and like said hey your content's great and i'd like to hire you to be a trainer for for us but hey do you have content that talks about this and 
they, you know, of course said, yeah, sure. You know, let me get back to you tomorrow. And they came back with something that again, clearly was stolen from someone. And now like, I'm not sure what to do with this person. Like, how do I, like, I feel like one of those, if you ever watch Mark Rober on YouTube, if you don't, you should, but there are multiple times where he goes after scammers and gets them ratted out basically and helps people that are getting wrapped up in these problems. So I'm trying to figure out how I can help other people that are out there that are creating content that's getting stolen and resold because it's just that like, that's a, that's a straight up malicious. I'm an agile expert by my content and you're going to be whatever. That's the most malicious one I've seen. I'd say, let them know. I mean, I've seen people outed on LinkedIn, uh, you know, publicly and then people weigh in and, and literally the pictures in LinkedIn are, this is the content. This is what someone wrote, and this is what someone else. This is what the original IP owner wrote, and it's it's a copy. And uh, folks have done that in proposals. So I've seen folks who do proposal writing in LinkedIn, not often, but mm. rat it, you know, sort of exposed. I think the mo- the most powerful thing we can do is expose it to the light of day. Mm-hmm. And if you can copy the owner of the IP, uh, then that then that helps. It lets them yeah. know. That's that's an excellent example of that malicious, you know, even even quoting people or not, you know, it's not just written or proposal, but saying things that other people were saying, but not giving credit. I try to over I don't know if you've ever noticed in my material in my classes. So I try to over acknowledge the sources of my material, Mm -hmm. Uh, just be over clear if I ever grab something. Uh, it's just good form, even if it's in uh, like Creative Commons. Uh, even then, I'll, I'll tr- you know I'll try to overamplify it. But a lot of people don't do that. There's a lot of people. This is, I'm going to bring it to coaches or subject matter experts. I I see a lot of folks. I think it's malicious. Is it? Is it? You know, axe murder malicious? No, it's not. It's not at that level. But there are there are coaches that I think most of them know better. Like when you put up a coaching, so I have a story. There was a a guy I know who trains um, scrum masters and he ran someone through a two day scrum master class and uh, they came out of the class and they actually, he heard it through his client. So they, they then came out of his class and went to one of his clients uh, I don't even know if they knew it was one of his clients and they applied for a scrum coaching position. And in the interview, they referenced the training and the relationship with him. They alluded to uh, having coached with him, right? In the interview, they got the job. Uh, they were in it for two months. The client realized that they were incompetent. They approached the trainer coach and is like you're not doing your job, and 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 his response was, uh, and I'm paraphrasing. One, you should have done a better job of interviewing, right? So shame, shame on you. Uh, but also, I just taught them in a class. I've never worked with them. They came to a two day class. They gave me, you know, n hundred dollars. I gave them a certification. They're not a coach, right? They're they're not a coach. Now that person 
what is it malpractice they they presented themselves as something that's to me is malicious and that's an extreme example but i i see so many coaches i joke about it you hang out agile coaching as as a role that you have on linkedin and you know in your heart i'm not t- you have no skill in that area or you have so little skill in that area that you are it's it's malpractice for you it'd be like a brain surgeon what I've I've dissected the brain of an ant, and now I am a brain surgeon. Am I publishing myself as a human brain surgeon on LinkedIn? It's it's incredible malpractice, and it's I think it's malicious. And most coaches, I I'm going to take a walk in the outside. I'd say eighty people who say they're eighty percent of the people who say they're coaches, some large percentage, are are maliciously misrepresenting themselves, and they know it. Now they may not know the depth and breadth of what they, how bad it is, but they know that they're not a coach. Uh, and I think, and I, what what are the drivers for that? Ego, right? Uh, money. Did I say money? Title, power. Those things are the driving forces for that. And it it just it breaks my heart, and it also aggravates the crap out of me because it undermines the 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 valid coaches that are out there, or the inexperienced coaches who are busting their asses to try to become a better coach, right? Who are putting in the hard work, right? It undermines them. Yeah. To me, that's the most frustrating, but largest impact that that has is it begins to devalue the title and the word and the craft because such a large percentage of folks aren't great at it but are sold or are selling themselves as that and you know this is one of those things that going upstream it's to me so money driven and especially at the training level because these training classes because the roles became so hot both from a need and a pay that it was easy for someone to stand up a uh, we're going to train you to be an XYZ. And I think right. it's a similar percentage of people that are out there just to get as many certs in and out the door to make the money to do the things versus the guys like our friend, like Ryan, who it's his business as a training business. And he has good people that are a part of their team and they do it with good intent and are just good at what they do and are not in it for the money. But unfortunately, so many others are, which continues to devalue the role. And even one of the things that I ran into with a customer recently is after two two weeks, they were they were so nervous that I was like scamming them and I didn't really know what I was doing. And there was this like deep dive we had to go through. And I'm like, holy crap, like what you know, uh what what put you in a defensive position like this? Right. Like what did you go through prior prior to this right. to where this right. is something you feel like you have to do? And of course we made it through and it was fine. It was like a 45 minute talk and everything was good, but they had been burned. And so now every defense was up and just created by all of these fakes that we've talked about that are ultimately created by the fake training companies that don't really care whether you get a job or don't really care if you actually learn, learn the thing that matters. They just want to get you in and give you a cert and get the money. And I would, I would say the training companies and the certs are part of it, but there's also a personal decision. So when they're not making you fake, you're, we each, the fakes are individual. 
right? I am showing up as a fake. Uh, I was thinking of one indication, Josh. I want to hear what you say about it. But I see people who have those little labels, those cert labels after their name or letters after their name on LinkedIn. Some people really have this long list. I might, as I was thinking about it just now, I'm like, maybe it's an indication of fakery. The more letters you have to after your name, uh, the more there's a probability that you're faking. Because you're you're leading with letters as opposed to leading with skill. I wonder what your yeah, reaction it's, is. It's um, assuming positive intent. I'm going to assume those are honest fakes, and based on a yeah. lot of job descriptions that they've yeah. read and okay. other things, they are led to believe that by having all these letters after my name, that means I'm qualified to do a thing. And again, they've they've been sold up the river of like, Hey, if you come to this class and get this thing and get this thing, this is going to open these doors. And um, while it will allow you to get through the first or second round of that hiring process, um, ultimately there's going to be some sort of check or test about, can you make this happen? And just because you have those letters doesn't mean you can't, but the concern I have is that you end up spending most of your time on getting all of those letters versus practicing the craft. And exactly. So that's where I get nervous whenever it comes in. And I used to be really standoffish about it. Like the more letters you have, the less, the less I think of you. And I, again, um, I just learned that, that was wrong. <laughs> you know, it was yep. ridiculous. As I started talking to people that actually had that and understood why, um, because it is, Yes, it's a personal responsibility that you have, but there's a, there's a, there's just an expectation across the industry that that's a thing. You know, look, no, no, no. find it, find an agile job description that isn't asking you to be certified in yep. something. There no, are you're right. aren't. No, I'll take that correction. Yeah. I even think there's, as you were talking, I think there's a cultural aspect to it. So certain cultures are more inclined towards certs than other cultures and you'll see but, but again i'll leave it at that you're you're i think you're yeah. absolutely right yeah. yeah i want to bring i want to switch gears and bring the fakery to agile leaders um so i think whether they have classes or not I'll, i wonder if leaders are faking and maybe there's some malicious and honest there's probably a mix but when an organization goes agile every leader i mean i hear this you know oh yeah okay i get agile i'm an agile leader now right i'm being asked to do it cool you know i'm it's not a big deal i was agile before it was agile right and and i'm agile now and and so they're not changing and they're to me they're faking then right there there's this notion there's faking even if they take a, a leadership class there's the practice or the doing of it uh, so I think that's another large group. I want to hear your take on that. The leaders at different levels in organizations. What do you think? I'm trying to, I'm arguing with myself about maliciousness or not, but most leaders go down the path of agile's a thing. It, I don't need to understand very much of it. We're going to be agile. We're going to do a thing. And that means we're going to, do we're going to ship faster we're going to you know developers are going to type faster uh features are going to come flying out of the team all these things and and i don't know 
it might be one of those things where you're you choose not to really look into it because it's more convenient for you to not really know that i've only been one place where the ceo actually went through the training like with me and that was one of the more successful places that i've been because there was more than a base layer understanding or the old fear of, oh, they read it in a magazine on a flight. It's like, now yep. we have to be agile. Um, there's still a lot of people that I see that are like that. They're saying, hey, that we should be agile that don't even really understand what it means. So in the end, they implement something that isn't really agile and then they table flip and say, well, agile's dumb. Uh, so I, that, that creates a thing. And I think there's a mix, probably half and half, of folks that are malicious versus not that are in that leadership role. I'm going to say malicious. I, I, I think if I hear what you're saying, I, I think I agree. Not everyone is malicious in leadership, but I do think there's a larger chunk. Uh, and I'm going to say maybe lightly malicious where it's like ego driven, egocentric, right? I know it all. And I encountered leaders like this quite often. I used to be early in my career. I, I think I was this for a while until someone smacked me across the head and, and gave me a grip. But it was like, you know, I know I'm good enough, right? I, I'm, I'm adaptive. Oh, it's just simple, right? I've got all of that. I actually think that borders on maliciousness. It borders on being full of yourself. Because, and the reason I'm saying it, Josh, is you're, you're a leader. By definition, you should be continuously learning. By freaking definition, you should be adaptive right? By definition, not, nothing is static. By definition, you should be self-aware to say the same problems. I can't solve the same problems with what I did two years ago or five years ago or 20 years ago, right? It, in order to be a leader, and there's a, like a, there's a bit of malpractice there. Now, if they want to demote themselves to be a practitioner, that's, then, then it goes away. But I think the bar is higher for leadership. So maybe there's a maliciousness quotient there. What do you think? I could buy that. I was um, I was lowering the expectations because for poor leaders, when in reality, as a good leader, you're either directly or indirectly being malicious, and you know it. Yeah, there's a little bit yeah. of hubris there. There's you you know it. You know that you don't know. You yeah. know that you're full of crap. <laughs> but you but you drive through it, right? <laughs> There's that hubris in things. I think Stephen said something. It's perhaps more of an ego issue, and I, I buy that. There's a bit of a hubris. There's a bit of an ego there. Not everyone. There's a, probably a line there. But I, I think there's maliciousness, light maliciousness towards, like, become self-aware. Don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, and, and just admit that you don't know and then go figure something out. Yeah, you can't be misquoting people here. Bob. Oh, I did I misquote people? Yeah. Well, it was Kevin. a bit of you it was a bit of hubris on my part. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> have we have we touched on the fake? I want to see our notes. Let me let me check our notes. Detection. Did we talk about detection? Before we go there, I want to make a controversial point. And granted, it's in a safe space to make this point but is is safe the ultimate fake i mean you're hitting me at the wrong 
at the wrong days. So Metacasters, I just published a, a safe thing this morning. My head exploded yesterday. I noticed, I don't know when the announcement was, but Safe 6.0 has been released recently or announced recently or whatever. And I, I just happened on it yesterday and I was reading the release notes or the what's in it notes and things like that. And it just, and you, if you know me at all historically, it just ticked me in the wrong direction. I just got aggravated with it. I, I think Safe is the ultimate fake. I, I would I would buy that. Yeah. If 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 agile execution and dynamics is the premise, driving to agile ways of working. And 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 I you know what I'm gonna be even more controversial, Josh. I I think Dean Leffingwell knows better. Right. I I think Dean knows he he divided the so he was part of the team that introduced the unified process, the rational unified process which you've heard, we've talked about historically kind of looks like safe and, and it grew like safe and it was marketed like safe. It's sort of like the, you know, the prego it's everything's in there of, of software methods. And now safe is the prego of agile software methods. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think, I, I think it's malicious. Do I think he's evil? No. Do I think it's greed? and marketability and, and moving away from the principles. And I think it's fakery because if you look, they talk about the, the, the lean agile principles a lot in safe, but the picture doesn't support it Yeah, or the marketing. Yeah. There's very little it. lean about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be one of those things where a good person got in a tough situation where there was good intent of, Hey, I'm going to create this thing and help. And then like money started rolling in. And it was just like, well, I, you know, I can, I can start printing money here if I continue down this, this path. And I, you know, I certainly am not a, a fan of safe, but if you line up all the things that we talked about, about all the certifications and all, and all those things and the ecosystem that is created that enables fakes, whether honestly or maliciously to be more easily created I think safe unfortunately does that. And so therefore um, is an ecosystem of fakes, which, which is scary because it's such a prolific thing in the industry. And so many companies are moving to and relying on that, that uh, it's just really uncomfortable. Well, it's two sides of the fakery, right? We're talking about it. It's, it's, it's the personal responsibility that we have. So safe would not be successful if people couldn't, if wouldn't adopt it, if they wouldn't, weren't willing to be faked, if they weren't willing to adopt something, if they weren't willing to blindly adopt a, a framework to eat, just pay for something and then install it. Right. So it's not, if there's a balanced, there's a balance to it. You need a market for it. Right. You need a market for those dynamics. And that's people bring that up as defense sometimes. Right, safe doesn't do any harm. You're right. There's two sides to the equation. There's the safe side, and then there's the receiver side. Yeah, the the, the, the knowingly trying to find the silver bullet that I can correct. drop in place, kind of like you know, brush off my hands and say, "Hey, we're good now," and assume all of the hard work that is required to really become agile just doesn't exist anymore. Yep. Can we move on to those other? I, yeah. I think that was a that yeah. was a good call out. Yeah. timely call out um so there were some other questions i don't know if we have to attack them all 
but how do you detect either one? So how do you detect one side or the other? I think we talked about that. It, it's there is no detection. How do you handle each? Do you coach? So when to know to fire someone or release someone or move them versus coaching. So, and then how do you prevent them from coming into your company? The hiring process. So do we want to do we want to explore any of those? Yeah, those are. I, I mean, they're all kind of wound up together. Um you have to, it's going to be hard for a fake to identify a fake. So you're going to have to, if you don't, if you know you aren't there yet, which is perfectly fine. If you're learning, if you're a leader of an organization and you know, you're not there yet, but you're on your path and you need to hire somebody into one of these roles, get some help from somebody that has been there and lived that, that can help you identify that because it's going to be really difficult for you if you haven't lived it to like sniff it out. So, so can, can you yeah. say that again? I want you to say that again because it was really profound. Most of my things are. So do I need to read? No, well, yes. yes. <laughs> but that um, one was. Yeah. So it, it's to me, the biggest issue is a fake can't identify a fake because you just haven't lived there yet. There is no way that I could go out and hire a mechanic. I, there'd be no way that I would know whether yep. this person is good. They could sling all the appropriate words at them. They might be the best mechanic in the world. And I yep. have no idea. And you stand them next to a person that just is pretending like a neighbor. I wouldn't be able to know the difference besides one uses bigger words. The other one doesn't, but I, does that matter? Is that person trying to pull the wool over my eyes with the bigger words? Or are they just like, those are the words I don't know that, that they are. So you have to find somebody that can help you. You have to get a second opinion of an experienced person that can say like, yeah, this person actually knows what they're talking about. And trust them. So yeah. ask for it and then trust their judgment because you don't have it. I, I love that. What else you got, Josh? I think the other challenge is whether they're a fake or a not, they have to do the job and it doesn't matter how they got there. Maybe you screwed up and hired somebody when you shouldn't, you didn't know it was a fake. They got in. I fall and pray to this. Um, and you get in there, whether they, and it gets down to forget how they got here. Can they do the job or not? And like with everybody, you do have to make that decision of, is this person coachable or is it going to be better for me to just replace them with somebody that's been there and done that? And that's a difficult call because it's going to depend on the person. And was it an honest mistake? Um, was it malicious, right? Where they're yeah. just trying to trick you and get in and do all that stuff. So I don't think there's a, there's a single silver bullet answer. But again, you're going to have to do the hard work and figure out, is this per person worth investing in? I, I think it's uh, Agile Biker said something like game recognizes game. And I think if, if I understand that, um, I think part of it is having good ones on board that you can compare against. I was thinking, for example, of a good definition of an agile coach, like a good framework and understanding of that and the aspects of coaching. And you could do that on paper or you could just have a good coach on staff and then do the gap analysis and so you understand not only in the recruiting process but in the are they doing the job well what does good in the job look like and if you have those role models people operating that gives you 
that gives you a sense. It also gives you a sense to coach to that, right? That's your vision in coaching too. I would say don't fire people. What, you know, assume, I think you said it earlier, assume positive intent, assume non-malicious fakery intent and, and just start coaching. And, and, but, but coaching towards that role model or to that baseline of excellence. And if folks can approach that, which is what you need, then great, continue to coach. Uh, if they're not, I would argue maybe this, the, the fakes don't like to what? To walk agile principles like continuous improvement, continuous learning. So that's what would eject them from the coaching process, right? You know, they're just not, they're not taking that seriously. And ego would be part of that as well. Oh, I don't need to know that. I talk about uncoachability. Like, is someone coachable? I think very often fakes are not coachable as well. Yeah, because the real coaching would require that effort of personal reflection and improvement and all of that. And, and if you're a malicious fake, you're, you're doing everything you can to get around that. So it becomes crystal clear. And if you've done a good job with running your organization and you have clear job descriptions and expectations and it's well understood when somebody walks in the door, then you're going to quickly be able to identify that because of the things that Bob said. But if you haven't made it clear, then you're opening yourself up to having to take longer to work through that process because now you're going to have to define that, provide the clarity, and then yep. see if that person can really measure up. Josh, is there, maybe we end it this way. Is there such a thing as a good fake? So the reason I'm pausing is. Like he really paused. I don't know. I don't know if I'm coming through or not. Josh. I just got a message from Josh that his internet died. I'm going to call it a day. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen, and he was Josh Anderson, and I'm going to go shake and bake. Take care, y'all.